0: You're listening to a Broadmoor Podcast production. In today's message, Pastor Josh Brady finishes out chapter 6 of Romans as he preaches from verses 15 through 23. This passage continues the Apostle Paul's teaching that we have been made dead to sin and alive to God. He uses an illustration that people in his day would have understood as he talks about how we are no longer slaves to sin, but have been made slaves to righteousness. It's our prayer that we'll be challenged and encouraged by God's word today. Well, good morning, church. How are we? Happy New Year! Yes, it is going to be a great year, I pray, uh, for each and every one of us. And as we jump in... No better way to start the new year than with prayer. Uh, and we know uh, that we have an opportunity each and every year as we start our, our new year calendar uh, to, to have a week of prayer. And so next Sunday, January the 8th, we start our week of prayer. So every night, 6.15 in the chapel, uh, we will join together in a time of prayer. And we want to make sure that we are there for that. The theme this year is serve. Out of Mark chapter 10, verse 45 for even the son of man came not to serve but to be uh, not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So that is our theme for this week in our week of prayer starting next Sunday going through Sunday through Friday. We want to make you aware of that. So please save the date whether you join us in the room which would be great or you watch all these services that will be streamed online. That would be awesome. I think it would be appropriate for us to pray as we start this new year off Together, would you join me in just thanking God for this year? I'm going to give you some silence on my end, and I just want you to spend some time saying, God, thank you for, and whatever comes to your mind, I want you to ask God blessing over those things. Let's pray. father, we love you. We thank you for a brand new year, a brand new opportunity to bring you glory and honor and praise. We ask that all that we do and all that we take part of would do just that. Jesus, we love you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, church family, if you have your Bibles, would you open to Romans chapter 6, Romans 6, the last part of this chapter. Now, I understand there's no life groups today, there's no child care today, and again, as last week, remember, If you are here today and you hear loud and movement that's life to us and we thank you for that thank you for being here but on my end i will attempt to make this a little bit shorter than we typically do to to allow everybody in this room to to continue to enjoy this time together so i'm not promising super short but what i am going to tell you is we're going to get clear and direct to the point this morning okay So as you look at chapter 6, the entirety of this chapter, we covered the first part two weeks ago, we'll cover the last part today, and it is a direct response from the Apostle Paul to his naysayers of his day. And those naysayers would, would hear his teaching and, and many of them would, would, would know what he would say as far as you were saved by grace through faith. It is, it is a gift of God. It is, it is not a work of man so no one could boast. They, they would hear these things and there would be some questions in their hearts. And some of those, those, those questions... Questions that they would get to would would lead them down a a bad road and and a bad end to those questions. So here's where they would kind of go, okay? They would say, Paul, so we're saved by grace through faith, right? In Christ alone. We don't do anything to get it, right? Paul would say, right. So you're saying as deep as our sin goes, God's grace goes deeper still. Is that correct? That is correct. So you're telling us, Paul... That there is more forgiveness in God than there is sin in us. And Paul would emphatically say, yes. Now, in those responses and in that teaching, although absolutely true, these people, these naysayers came to really poor conclusions. Here, here would be some of their conclusions. And I know, I know none of us would ever think this way. A little bit tongue-in-cheek, because no doubt we've all landed here at some point before. Here are some of those bad or poor conclusions that we or they can jump to. Here's the first one. So we're free from God's wrath now. So that means we can do whatever we want and not have to worry about the consequences. Another poor conclusion. I can do whatever I want because I know Jesus has to forgive me. And the last one. Now that we're free to sin, in my sinning, technically, I'm bringing God glory because the more I sin, the more he forgives and the more glory he gets. So I'm just going to keep on sinning. Now, does that sound right? Absolutely not. That's absolutely wild. Yet how many times, and don't answer this out loud, but how many times have you thought these things or at least the thoughts of these questions caused you to continue in some of the sin that you like to live in and what i mean by that is there, there are certain sins that we find disgusting and we want we want nothing to do with them if, if we are even tempted in some way that we we are disgusted by we will be quick to say god we want that out of our life right now take it out but then there are those pet sins Those sins that we really like, but we we don't really want people to know, or there may be the pet sins that everybody else is doing, so we all feel good about doing it together. And the thought is this, well, Jesus is just going to forgive me anyway, so why do I even have to worry about it? Brother and sister, it is of deep concern that we worry about Because here's Paul's answer to that. So if you go to Romans chapter 6, verse 15, you're going to hear a similar question and response that you heard in verse 1 of chapter 6. Romans 6, verse 15 says this. So what then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Paul says by no means. Now this word to sin is important. It's not like um, you sinned once, or it's, Paul's not saying that you should be sinless now that you are under grace. The question here is, should you continue in sin? Is this something that you should habitually be doing over and over and over again? Should we keep sinning just because we know Jesus has already forgiven us? Paul says, by no means. Maybe your translation says something different. Another translation says this, God forbid that. Thankfully, we have a clear answer to those questions. So should you keep sending? No. But we also have clear instructions that are going to help shape our theology and our understanding of the salvation that's been trusted to us. Look at verse 16. Do you not know that you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves? You are slaves of the one of whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. So so Paul's asking a question. Do you know that if you keep sinning, you're a slave to that thing? Eh, maybe, maybe, Maybe it's this way, okay? Do you think that you're free just because you get to do what you want to do? do you you think you're free because because there are some people who, who would have this mentality that god is holding me back from what i desire i want to be free in my life so paul says do you think you're really free just because you're not you're not trusting in god or adhering to his word or listening to the teachings do you think you're actually free don't you know That if you continually give yourself over to your heart's desires, and you can't say no to those things, then you have become a slave to that thing. You think you're free, but you're not. Now, here's the truth, okay? Here's the truth. You are going to be a slave to something. And when I use the word slave, I'm using the one that Paul uses, and I'm going to tell you why he uses that really hot topic word. Not even hot topic for today, but hot topic for first century. He uses the word slave because all of the hearers or all of the readers of this letter will be able to understand that a slave is controlled. They have no say, and if they do, it is only the say that sits under the leader above them. So Paul says this, two truths here. You are a slave to something. You are controlled by something. There's only two options. Number one, you're a slave to sin. And that is going to lead to death. There's no other another path from that. So sin will always lead to death. Option number two, you are a slave to God, and obedience to God, and that path will always lead to righteousness. There is no third option. There is no, no, I'm, I'm not a slave to either. I'm not a slave to sin. and I'm not a slave to God. I can do what I want to do. There is no option there. That's not a thing. So Paul builds an opportunity for tension for his readers, and for us. The implied question that we should be wrestling with right now is this. What are we currently a slave to? Maybe hear it this way. What currently is controlling you? Now, now, this is, I think, a great question for the new year. We did not plan this to fall on this day because we actually had a preaching schedule that was that was gonna land in different dates, but I, I can't imagine a better scripture for the beginning of a brand new year than this one. And a question for us to ponder than than this one. What are we being controlled by right now? Now, no doubt Christians are gonna say, the Lord, I'm controlled by the Lord. How you know? What is it about your life that tells you that you are controlled by him? Or are we controlled by self? Does a desire well up in your heart and go to your mind and say, yes, I'm going to do that thing. And here's the scariest part. We'll, We'll talk about this in just a few moments. When we muddle the two together, we get in a really dangerous place where we will allow something to well up into our heart, go into our mind, and begin to act it out. And there's a pause for a moment and say, Lord, do you want me to do this? And in our Christian culture, we will say, well, surely this is the desire that I have. The Lord's given me this desire. So we run full steam ahead in sin, thinking God is sending us to do it. What are you being controlled by today? That's what Paul is asking them and asking us as well. Now, whatever the tension is that you are holding right now, maybe you were confident and say, no, I'm, I'm controlled by the Lord. I read his word. I apply it to my life. The Holy Spirit leads me and guides me in accordance to this book. 100%, I'm in. Or maybe you're confident today you, you are not being led by the Lord. You are being led by self and sin and you don't know what to do with that. Wherever you land on that question, There's reason for hope and celebration in the next verse. Look at verse 17. But thanks be to God that those, that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Now, this response, hear me out. Everything that I'm going to talk about from this point forward, as far as in this chapter and in this sermon, is specific to people who have put their hope and trust in Christ. Okay, I want to be clear here, because if you're lost and I start using the the collective we, you're going to think, oh, look, preacher said I'm just fine. No, no. The celebration is for those who've put their hope and trust in Christ here. So so remember that as we move forward. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin, that's pre-Christ, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching of which you were committed. So hey, saved person. You were once slaves of sin. But praise God. He has made you obedient. This is important. From the heart, God changed your heart. God changed your desires. And we were slaves to sin. But God changed us. It doesn't say, listen to me. Be be clear here. It doesn't say you were slaves to sin, so God changed your behavior. God doesn't start on the outside and go in. God starts on the inside and goes out. And so for us, we need to remember that because there are going to be people who are new to the faith that their heart is changed, but their actions are still in conflict with what their heart desires. Anybody in the room still feel that in themselves? That your heart loves the Lord, it loves the word, you wanna honor him, but your flesh is still desiring worldly things. God is doing a work from the inside out, not the outside in. Don't judge your life simply by what you do. Judge your life, believer, by what you desire. Do you desire God more than anything else? That's where Paul is is speaking to us here this morning. You were slaves to sin. Your heart was chained to the enemy, but God broke that chain and set you free. He's given you a new heart, new desires. But to what? What's the standard of of change? Try try hearing it this way. How do you know, Christian, what is right and what is wrong? How, How do you know what is sinful and what is godly? Paul says that it is by the standard of teaching that you are committed. In short, God is the standard setter, and Christ is the standard. One more time just for clarity. God the Father is the standard setter, and Christ the Son is the standard. So how how do we know what is right and wrong? How do we know what is godly? And sinful well Christ as our standard he is the just and the justifier he is the only one that can meet the standard that has been set this is why it is eternally important that we are committed to Christ and nothing else and and before you say well amen of course preacher what else would we be committed to here are a few examples of things I believe we collectively we Christian And even if it's not a collective we, I know it's a me. Things that I can decide is the standard and it makes me feel better about me. But these are wrong. Okay, so here we go. It is eternally important that we are committed to him and to nothing else, to Christ and nothing else. Not what we think is good, better, or best, but to what Christ says is good, better, or best. There is a huge difference there. Because no doubt, there are times in our life that we get confused what we think is good and what God has called good. Matter of fact, go all the way back to Romans 1, and that was the indictment on the people. Not only were they doing things that were against God, but then you had a whole other group giving praise to those who were doing the things against God and calling it Good. So just because you think something is good, better, or best, doesn't mean it is so. That standard comes from Christ. That standard comes from the Word made flesh. Another one that gets me in trouble. The shoe fits, let's wear it. We are to be committed to Christ alone, not what someone that we admire is doing. There's a lot of times in the world that we live in, call it influencers, call it people that we like, that we'll look to them and say, wow, they're really good people, I wanna be like them. And so instead of going to this book, we jump this and go to them and say, they're the standard. The way they read the Bible, the way they interpret scripture, the way that they are seemingly walking out their faith, that's the standard for me. No influencer is your standard, church. Christ is your standard. And this isn't exhaustive, but this is the last one that I have for the morning. We're to be completely committed to Christ, not the newest social cause or buzzword. Those things aren't bad in and of themselves, but listen to me, if we get caught up and what the world is telling us is important now, and we neglect what God is telling us is important, we have missed the mark. What are we being controlled by? Are we being controlled by Christ and Christ alone, or is it a myriad of any other thing? In being committed to Christ alone, not these other things, something incredible happens in us. Look at verse 18. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Wait, we, we've been set free from, from sin. What, what held us down, what shackled us to, to ourself and to the enemy, we've been set free from it. We have become slaves or we have become controlled by righteousness, And then Paul says something really strange next. Look with me, if you will, at verse 19. Now, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Now, Paul says, he uses in the ESV, it says human human terms kind of sounds like Paul is out of his mind a bit here, as if he isn't human and we are. That's not necessarily what he is saying here. Listen, what he is saying is, I'm speaking in a way that you can easily understand. I'm trying to use language that you're going to be able to to understand and apply to your life. We have to remember, Paul was brilliant. Paul was a leader of the Pharisees. He was trained in the best schools, under the most sought-after rabbis. And here's what he said. There was a time in your life when you lived to sin. That's what you wanted to do. You wanted to live for you. And you did it all the time. And it's all you could think about. And your sin would lead to more sin. And that sin would lead to more sin. And that sin would lead to more sin. But now your thinking and actions have changed. Because of Christ's work in your life, you are now compelled. You are now controlled to live a righteous life. Now, he uses really powerful language here. He says, Consider yourself a slave. Can consider yourself someone controlled by righteousness. So where sin controlled you, you have a new master in God, and he controls you. Sin leads to death. God leads to life. And the question here is today, church, what master are we serving? Because there's this strange phenomenon that happens among believers. The scriptures teach about it all throughout the New Testament. The Old Testament gives us illustration after illustration after illustration that this is true. Once God sets us free, the chains are broken, and we begin to walk with Him, there is something still inside of us this side of eternity that wants to go back to the old way. I would dare not ask if that is you because I know it is. There is still something in each and every one of us in the fallen state that we are still in. Christian, you are completely justified. We've talked about that. That was done in eternity's past. God has justified you because of the work that Christ has done. But your sanctification is still a process. So there are gonna be days that you are following the Lord and it is good and it is right and you're walking in holiness and you're loving his word and you're spending time in prayer and then there are gonna be days that you are going back to the old way. If you come from old school Baptist churches, there was a phrase that was used in my growing up years at New Palestine. It was called backsliding. Anybody ever heard that phrase? And it was the idea that you are climbing the mountain and then all of a sudden you let go and you slide all the way back down. And that used to bring a lot of fear to me because my thought in being a backslidden Christian is, well, I'm going to slide right off of that cliff and die. The good news of the hope of the gospel is this, that even in your sliding nature, God has you. He holds you. If you are born again, you are His. There's nothing that can separate you from that love. That's coming in Romans 8. But there's a a real decision to be made today as it is every day. Even though you are free from sin, for whatever reason, we like to still serve that master. So, who are you serving today? As you journey into this new year, who are you going to make it a priority every day to serve. Paul says, consider yourself a slave to righteousness, controlled by God and righteousness because that type of living leads to sanctification. Sanctification is the process where we become more Christ-like. Look at verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. Now that sounds strange. Wait, are you saying, Paul? That that before I was a Christian, I was a slave to sin, but I was free from from righteousness and the law? Yeah, that's what he's saying, and that's not a good thing. Listen to what Paul says, verse 21. But in that life, what fruit were you getting at that time? From the things that you are now ashamed of. So, So think about that. Before Christ saved you and you lived only for yourself, And maybe, maybe in that season you would say, I'm completely free to do whatever I want to do. I can choose to do this or that, to go here or there, to desire this thing or that thing. Paul says, great, what fruit did that bring? Without going too deep on the first day of the year, I would even say it a little differently to maybe drive home the point of where we live today. What scars do you still have because of that life? You may have thought you were free, but no doubt how you lived has brought pain to you. Paul says, even the thought of it brings shame. So you may have thought you were free, but you weren't free at all. The only place that old life was leading you was to death. So yeah, you were free to do whatever you wanted, but that freedom only had one end. Eternal separation from God. Verse 22, but now, so if that was the old you, but now, you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God. And the fruit that you get leads to sanctification and in its end, eternal life. So, so here, but God, now you've been set free from your sin. He's broken the chains and he's called you to himself. And Paul's still using the strong word where he says, you are a slave to God, you are controlled by God. And the more you pursue that righteousness, the more fruits that will come. Remember the old life, the fruit brought pain and a shame. The new life, the fruit brings joy in life. The more you pursue that fruit of righteousness, the more you become like Christ This freedom, this way of living in its end leads to eternal life. So, to sum up this chapter in a sentence, look at verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, this is maybe a verse that you all know or at least heard at some point. Maybe if you studied the Roman road or you learned some kind of evangelism tactic or were part of some class, no doubt that you came here because this is a great summation of this chapter. Wages, the, the, the payment. Everybody has sinned. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We did that in chapter three. And so here, the payment that we get for that sin is death. But notice the second part of that verse. It says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's not the wage of serving God. You you can't work your way to salvation. It's a free gift that God gives to those who trust in him. So you keep working for you, doing what you want to do, you are going to get death. But if your heart is changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, then everything shifts. You're not going to get a payment anymore. You're going to get grace. You're going to get something that you did not deserve. But God gives it to you freely. It's a gift. And it's eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, here is our take home of the day as our worship team comes back up and my voice hangs on for 3 more minutes too much football yesterday to be as clear as i can be in this life you only have two masters you have self and you have god self will lead to death 100% of the time there's no other way And God always leads to life. There's no other way. Self is controlled by sin. God is controlled by obedience to God's standard, which is Christ. It's time to choose which master we will serve. So Paul uses the illustration of of two kind of slaveries and two kind of freedoms. Jesus spoke a... A similar message, but a different way. He said there are two roads in life. One is a wide road. And many are going to find it. But that wide road leads to destruction. But there's another road. It's called the narrow road. And only few will find that road. But that road leads to life. What road are you on right now? Wait, Josh, I, I thought we just spent like two months talking about the free gift of grace and, and we don't do anything. No, no, you can't earn this. We're, we're not gonna have like a sign up service at the end where you commit to live your life this way and in turn for you living your life this way, then God might save you at the end. That's not what this is. The gift has already been offered. Christ has already died on the cross and risen from the grave the question is will you acknowledge that truth and live for the new kingdom will you acknowledge that truth and serve the new king one of my favorite books of the bible not because it shares my name but it's just a great coincidence is Joshua Joshua was a second chair leader for a long time behind Moses Moses dies and God calls Joshua to lead Israel And Joshua does a good job we, we all know Joshua 1 and the whole three times God says haven't I told you to be strong and courageous but it's at the end of Joshua that I find great challenge and comfort this is, this is what he says in Joshua 24, verse 14 and 15. Joshua gathers the people of Israel. He's about to die. They've kind of lived for God and not lived for God. They've kind of done the things that God called them to do and not done some of the things God's called them to not do. And he says this as he has all of Israel gathered right before he breathes his last breath. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods of your fathers that they served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods of your fathers that they served in the region beyond the river or the God of the Amorites in whose land that you dwell. But as for me and my house, what? We will serve the Lord. So Joshua got to a point where he said, you are God's people. And I can tell you that we are called to serve him. But Joshua would say to them, I can't choose for you. That's something you have to do every day. So, in the same way today, I pray that I'm not getting close to my last breath, but if I do, glory. But I give the same challenge. I'm telling you, Christian, you are redeemed to serve the Lord. But I can't choose that for you. I can't, I can't make you do that in this new year. That's something that you have to choose every day. The price has been paid. Justification has happened. The question is, do you believe it? And will you live that life out? That's the question presented to us as we end Romans 6 and as we begin 2023. Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Church, would you pray with me? Father, we do thank you for today. We thank you for the gift of your word and the opportunity that we have to worship each and every week. I pray, Father, that as we begin this new year, that we would be honest about where we are and what we are currently serving, where our heart is, who it belongs to, I know there are too many times in my life that I know my heart belongs to you, Father, yet I still live for me. May that not be so. I pray for my brothers and sisters across this room and watching right now online. Holy Spirit, that you would begin to continue to convict us. Call us to the life that you have redeemed a life that is set free from sin and controlled by the Spirit. May we be people who are committed to this word and live according to it, not just on Sundays and Wednesdays and in Bible studies, but with every breath that we have left on this side of eternity. For when we cross over to the next life, we will see all of this word realized in our King Jesus who reigns on the throne not in the future but today so help us father to respond rightly to that truth in our life lord we love you and it's in your name that we pray and we now stand and respond church would you stand with me